You are important. You are necessary. You are loved. And even if you don't believe it right now, I I think that you are necessary. I want you here. And if you if you need a friend, I'm here for you. Reach out to me anytime because I am here and I will help you connect with the people that you need to connect with. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, 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 thank you for coming in today for the Professor of Perseverance Podcast. I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance himself. And again, we are here to help other people that are hurting, struggling, going through something in life and help them get out on the other side and realize when they see the light at the end of the tunnel that it's not a train coming. It's something powerful. It's something to help us get fired up and get ready to go through life and have a better life than we thought we could. Hey, today, our guest today, she was in a near-fatal car accident and was left with PTSD and traumatic brain injury, TBI. She had to learn to relearn how to live again, and when she did, she realized the accident was a gift. Wow, how many people can say when they go through something it was a gift? And it's taught her so much more about herself and shows what she had to do to heal in her life. Hey, welcome to the show. We have Shelly Grossman. Hi, James, and thank you so much for having me here today. Well, thank you for sharing your valuable time with us, and most important, your story, and how you're going to help other people get through whatever they're going through. So we're all we're all going through something. There's some more than others, some more dramatic than others, but we are going through something. And you know, we get uh, some advice, some encouragement, inspiration, motivation to from you, other people to get us through today. Man, that that's that's powerful in itself. Absolutely. And um, so, where would you like me to start? Well, let's go ahead and, uh, well, we're going to talk about this car accident. And you've become physically disabled, and and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. So I was in a, a near-fatal car accident, as you said, um, almost 14 years ago. February will be 14 years. And it, it's still with me because these, these traumatic, you know, events stay with us. They're part of us. And it happened in it happened in New Jersey, and I it was a six car accident, and I was car five out of six, and I was hit twice, once by a, a van, and once by the cement median, and my car spun around, and I was facing oncoming traffic for over five hours. So I had the impact of you know, being jarred back and forth, my head being hit. And then I had the, the um, impact of staring at all of those lights for over five hours, which really had a neurological effect on me. 
Oh, I can imagine so because um, while you're seeing them headlights, you're wondering if somebody's going to veer over and catch me again. And I can see that uh, yeah, mentally being distraught. Yeah, going, good gracious, what's next? Yeah, and in that accident, there were like over 20 accidents that night. And we were the last accident to get help. So we were, many of us were left. The police came and did a cursory check and the ambulance left us there. So the ambulance did not take care of us. And then my parents actually came and got me out of the car. And then the, the next day, I got no medical help. The next day, my parents put me on an, an airplane to go back home to my daughter. And I don't remember very much of all of that because I was post-concussive. Mm -hmm. And I went back to my daughter, and that's when all of the trauma started. Because that's when I started getting help. My, my only I had just moved to a new state, and my only friend was my realtor. And my realtor started taking me around to the doctors, and they said, you have... Um, I, I did testing and they said, you have a traumatic brain injury, you have your post-concussive and I couldn't move my arm. So I, my arm wouldn't move my leg, my leg wouldn't move. So my body was very, very traumatized. And it wasn't until like a year later that I needed surgery on my shoulder. And there was the, so there was the trauma of the car, but there was also the trauma of lack of support. You know, and yeah, that is yeah. probably, that's probably the biggest trauma. I probably could have gotten through more easily the the car accident if I had support in place. And that's actually a big part of my story. That's a big yeah, part. Of well, and you can't you can't win the Super Bowl if you don't have teammates that are on the same page and helping, supporting each other and doing specific things, you know, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand that. And, and that's that's one question I usually ask is what type of support system do uh, do people do y'all have? Do you have and others, you know, in, in the support system? And here you said very little at this time. I I had one person um, other than my daughter and my daughter mm -hmm. was 18 at the time. So I can't count her for anyone to take me around because she wasn't driving and she wasn't even legally allowed to take care of me because you have to be 18 or over. And so she couldn't take me to a doctor and she couldn't take me for my surgery. So the people in my, in my life at the time told me hire someone. And so I was now out of work. I was on disability I didn't have very much money to hire anyone. I There was like this trauma, trauma, trauma. It was like a, a, a trauma tsunami that happened to me, which is what it felt like. And it seems like a, a wave just comes crashing down every time you turn around, it seems like. Yeah. And so I ended up staying in my house for like a really long time because when nobody's there to take care of you or, or, you know, support you or guide you, there are feelings of lack of, lack of worth, lack of self-esteem, lack of, um, lack of everything. And so I stayed in my house alone with the blinds drawn and I, I didn't go outside at all 
for a couple of years, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a very sad time of my life. And I thought, well, if nobody's here to care for me, why should I even care for myself? And um, it was very hard. It was very hard on my daughter to watch mommy, mommy go through that. How old was she again? She, it's this whole process started when she was 15. All right. So I, I ended up having a neighbor who, you know, her daughter took my daughter to school. So I ended up having a little bit of support, but um, it was really hard. And the biggest part for me to move through traumatic brain injury and healing after any kind of trauma is support. Support, support, support. Yeah, I, I agree with you again, because uh, uh, at that time, you know, you're barely taking care of yourself because of what, you know, the the aches and pains and the PTSD and everything. And so, yeah, to have someone come in to help care. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally see all that uh, from there. You know, again, Long Ranger had Tonto with him, you know, to as uh, support system with him. So, uh, yeah, well, my body was so, so disabled at that time that I couldn't cut my food. I couldn't, I couldn't bathe myself. I couldn't dress myself. My daughter had to do all of this for me. And I couldn't move my arm. And I walked with a cane. And it was such a horrific time. And I went through surgery and then physical therapy for 10 months. And then they finally declared me disabled. And I hated that label. I hated it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hated a label. I mean, my whole life I was labeled one thing or another. And um, I hated that label. And they said, you're, you're disabled and we're cutting off insurance. No more, no more trying, no more trying to get better. No more, um, no more doctor, no more physical therapy. You're on your own. And that was devastating for me. I don't, I don't know how many people know this, but when you become disabled and you're getting the disability, whatever you call it, checks or whatever you want to call it, you do not get insurance from them for at least two years. Okay. And so uh, it, they, they um, hold that back. I don't understand why. Because I even asked a question when I got disabled. I said, why, if I'm considered disabled by your government rules and you're sending a disability check, I said, why did I not get insurance? And they said, well, that's the way things have been passed. And I've come to the conclusion that they don't want to put out all that extra money on in insurance. Uh, they're, not that they're hoping, but if you die in the two years, they don't have to pay the extra, you know, because once you get that, that um, insurance started, then you can go back and do the physical therapy and do other things, get other uh, things that you need to help you in your house. But until then, you got two years, you've got to figure out how to do that. And I, I just don't agree with that and don't understand it. They want to make it hard. They want to make you jump through hoops. Yeah. And I guarantee you, and I, I, I would bet my lunch money 
that if it's one of those in that government agency got disabled for whatever reason, I, I would almost bet they wouldn't be waiting two years. They would know what they need to do to get things started. So I'm sure. And, I, and I'm just guessing. I have no clue about that. That's just my personal input on, on the system there. So, yeah, and, and, and they can make things just as frustrating than your body rejecting what's going on. Damn it, they can make it even more or harder on you just by jumping through the hoops you said. Absolutely. And, um, you know, again, you know, that's part of the support. You know, make make things easier, not harder. Well, see, they should be a support system to make, like I said, things easier, not harder. And it's in reverse. I understand they have their own life, but they can be a support system while they're on the job to make it easier to it. Instead of filling out 18 different forms of paper and then they mail it back to you and then tell you, you got to fill out another 10 more. And, you know, oh, it just and then you got to wait 45 plus days for them to make a decision. You know, I need something now, not 45 days. <laughs> so I, I don't understand that system either, but they never asked me anything. And let me ask this, uh, Shelly, I'm, I'm assuming with your daughter having to do a lot of uh, caretaking for you, that uh, she, she had to grow up pretty quick. She did. She did. And we lost a lot of that, you know, parent-child uh, bonding time. And there was a lot of role reversal. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, uh, it affected the relationship, you know. Um, and there was secondary trauma also because, um, you know, my, my PTSD, which was very, very active, affected her. How could it not? Um, and I'm I'm very honest about it because when somebody is very reactive around somebody else, they're going to start to feel it because we're all energy, right? Mm-hmm. We're all energy. And if you're around someone who's really angry, you're going to start to feel all of that anger and all of that energy. And you're going to start to absorb that. And she did. She did, she did the best she could, and she was always there for me, always, and no matter what I needed. Mm-hmm. But there were secondary effects, and I recognize that, you know, it's neither one of our faults because the accident was never our fault. And I thank, I thank God a million times she wasn't in that car with me because there was a split-second decision for her to be in that car with me. And if she had been then she would be dead because that side of the car was impacted twice. Mm-hmm. Well, and thank goodness. I'm going to thank God that, uh, yes, she wasn't in there. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, I'm sorry that she had to grow up fast. Uh, my father died when I was 16 and my younger brother, nine years old, had to grow up fast. So yeah, from there. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not good for them to have to grow up fast. Like I said, there's a bunch of secondary outputs that um, lead the way uh, from that. Um, just have to hope that everybody still finds the way back and then stays on the right track the best as possible. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you were, you were, uh, how long did uh, Dardef take care for you before you started doing for yourself, uh, doing more for yourself? Did you uh, get uh, more uh, therapy? How, oh. What do you think, what do you think helped get you going back in the right mind out of this PTSD? And you I'm know, sure you still, I'm sure you still can experience some of that PTSD, but nowhere near as severe, hopefully. Yeah. So with her encouragement, I think it took the first year uh, that I went to therapy. I was resistant. I And I did it for her, but it turned out to be something that I ended up doing for me. And it was wonderful. Um. But I, I definitely was resistant, and I loved it. I, I think that therapy is something that people should do for themselves all the time, and that it, like everyone, PTSD or not, I think everyone deserves a non-biased person in their life. There you go. I, yeah, I agree with that. I'd, I never never thought of it like being a non-biased. I just thought of therapy. Yes, somewhere during the line, we're going to see physical occupational therapists, but I've come to the conclusion now that I'm older, been in the wheelchair now 38 years, that uh, I need more mental therapy than physical and stuff. I mean, I need physical to be it so I can still do what I'm able to do, you know, make it easier on everybody else around me. But uh, I think we see, need to see more mental therapy, have mental uh, experts around us and, and, some people don't, you know, the old stigma when I grew up that if you saw a psychiatrist, psychologist, those stigma people go, oh, he's crazy. He's crazy. Watch out, man. He's crazy seeing a psychiatrist. And to me, because I had to see a psychologist for a while, and I believe now it's no different than exercising your body. You're exercising your mind to stay sharp and get those low self-esteem out, the low self-confidence out, the low everything out to help build a bigger and better you, during, you know, as possible. Yeah, um, absolutely. So the form of therapy that I went to was dialectical behavior therapy, which is very effective for people with PTSD. And when, and part of, part of that is that the therapist is actually um, not just a talk therapist, but is also a coach. Mm -hmm. Do you know about DBT? No, I don't know. This is the first I've heard of it. I mean, oh, really? I was I was going to think of something. Yeah, see, see I, I have done very few PTSD interviews. So, you know, when you're talking about this, I'm I'm getting enlightened, learning more about it. Um, yeah. When you talk about the TBI, I mean, me being a spinal cord injury, I've been with, around brain damage, uh, injured people, and you know, I you know I was going to ask the question about uh, how frustrating you were with the TBI because I see how a lot of them. I mean, they get frustrated. They're throwing things because they they know they can't do what they used to do, and they're right in their mind, but their body's not doing what they want. Well, so. I never threw anything because I was disabled in my arm. So yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Pick it up with your foot, throw it, kick it. But, but I just want to, I would just, and well, I had a bad leg too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I just want to go back to the DBT for a minute. Yes. Yes. So, they want, they want to learn about this. Yeah. For anyone out there, DBT is highly effective.
for people with PTSD. There's a lot of studies through the Veterans um, Administration and um, any people people could research it. They could hire a DBT therapist, see how it works. One of the things that I found really wonderful about it is that this form of therapy, the therapist, um, it's not just you going and sharing and talking about yourself. The therapist actually shares a little bit about themselves too. So it's more like uh, you're, you're going and sharing with one another and you don't feel it's so lopsided. Mm-hmm. And other part that I liked about it is that they coach you. So you learn life skills and they're there for you, especially when you're reactive, they're there for you pretty much around the clock. So if you need someone, um, you can, you can text your therapist and say, I need coaching, not I need therapy, but I need coaching on my skills. And you learn all different skills. You learn how to not be reactive. You learn how to, you know, interact with people. And it's just about relearning how to be, you know, with other people and to not be reactive anymore. And I learned uh, from the coaching aspect, I want to be a coach. (laughs) So it's from that that I really wanted to I wanted to coach. And it's also from that that I knew that I didn't want to coach, I, that I didn't want to work with people who were reactive. Um, I wanted to be with people who were more on the healing part of their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I talk to people constantly about, you know, PTSD, about their journey. And I, and yes, yes, I still, I still can become, um, I say, responsive to, to the trigger. I don't become in reactive mode anymore. I learn the difference between reactive and responsive. I know when something's going to trigger me and I have things in place to not make it a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, I've learned how to do that. It's 14 years already, so... Um, my PTSD does not become reactive because I know how to put the protective mechanisms in place. And, and that, yeah, because um, I mean, I, I'm just still trying to learn more with this PTSD and with this you you're talking about. I, yeah, I can see where you'd be more be better to be more. Would you say more responsive, responsive. than reactive? Mm-hmm. So that we, yeah. It's awareness. So when when I'm aware, like for instance, if I'm in, if I'm in a crowd, if I'm hearing a lot of noise, if I'm hearing sirens, I know all of these things are possible are are, are triggers for me just on their own. But if I'm hearing all of them at one time, then that will definitely trigger inside of me, and I know. Okay, now go to a quiet place. Now do some meditation. Now breathe. Now step away. So I know what I need to do to remain calm, remain safe, and not feel that overwhelming trigger anymore. And yes. sometimes sometimes that might be moving into tree pose in yoga. 
because yoga is definitely part of my 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 safe plan, my my protective plan. And I see where you you talking about uh, coaching. You want to get into coaching, and I see where you've got uh, your brand is Twisted Tree Coaching. Yes. So, and how did you come up with the name Twisted Tree? Well, one day I was just hanging out um, in this beautiful botanical area, and I saw this beautiful tree that jutted out to the side. And I was, I just found myself gazing at it. And I, I looked at it and I said to my friend, there is so much power and perseverance and courage in that tree. And I said, that tree is me. And I, I said, that is the name of my company. I said, this is my path. And this is who I'm going to work with. I'm going to work with people who have been on a twisted journey because my journey hasn't been linear. My path has been challenging and it came, it, it's gone a little bit off the, the, the path a little bit. And I still have gotten to where I want to be. And oh, did you, you're still young enough to get there a little closer to where you want to go. As, as long as you're moving forward, you know, as long as you and, and realize, even if there's a setback, look how much that you've come, how far you've come. And then, yeah, they'll use your little setback as a comeback, they say. Exactly. And, you know, I I want to work, uh, you know, with the people who have the the courage and the perseverance and the the ability to keep on moving forward in spite of all of the challenges. And like, like myself, things aren't going to be easy all the time, maybe sometimes, but not all of the time. And I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want to have the, the, the clients who are going to give up because I don't give up. I just now with your With your clients now, do you have a timetable for you to be able to determine if they're going to stay on the right pace with you so you know you're not wasting your time or their time. How, how do you say I give you 30 days? Do I give you 30 no. minutes? You know, or is there or you just stay with them and hope that they persevere and change as they're spending more time with you and learning more what they can do? No, I can suss up, you know, in a meeting before they they come on board, whether or not they're going to have the ability to move forward in coaching. And if they sign up for coaching, then and they um, are not doing the work, which I haven't I haven't really had that. But mm-hmm. if that if that was the case, it, because in coaching you get assignments like every week. And if they weren't doing the work each week, then we would discuss that. We would we would figure out what's stopping you from from not doing the work, and that would that would be maybe an assignment. You know, we would turn that into assignment. What would what's what's stopping you from achieving your goals, from doing this assignment, and figure that out. And if they weren't committed to coaching, then we would figure out what to do next. I would think that would be very rare 
for someone yeah. stepping on board because when they're reaching out for your help, they're wanting it. And Absolutely. so it, it's going to be very rare someone uh, is going to step out because they're tired of hearing family complaining about you need to do something. <laughs> and so it's going to be rare that you find someone like that, I would think. So. Absolutely. So, all right. Now, tell us, tell us, tell us about this uh, yoga stuff that you were mentioning a minute ago. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because I was yes. going to pick it up if you didn't. No, yes. Don't wait on me on something because, again, I'm still learning this stuff. So, I mean, if, if you think I ought to be asking something and I'm not doing it, you throw it out there. I mean, if it's going to be for all of us to learn and help, yeah, don't wait on me because I may not know the questions. So, to, you throw it out there. But thank you for me. Let me uh, come up with yoga first. <laughs> <laughs> So I say that yoga has been probably the biggest part of my healing, physically, emotionally, spiritually. It has been probably the biggest part of my healing. And my daughter would say it changed mommy. There you go. Good deal. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me have, before you go any further with that now, I got to ask this now. Did daughter practice yoga with you? <laughs> she she made attempts. Okay, okay, I understand. <laughs> she I, made attempts. Okay, that I understand, and that's uh, that's good for her to under try to get understand some things. Uh, what's going on with you? So, okay, mm -hmm. I got you. I understand. All right, so all right, come on back with this yoga. So when the doctor declared me disabled, hey, let me go back to that too. Yeah, uh, you mentioned you said. You hated the, that be labeled disabled and everything. And again, I'm spinal cord injury. I got my neck broke playing football uh, 38 years ago. And wow. I sorry. knew I was disabled. I knew I was paralyzed. I wouldn't move my legs, barely move my arms at a time, and knew I was disabled. They would help me in the chair, out of the chair, on the therapy table, off the therapy table, feed me. I couldn't feed myself then. And uh, But the first time they labeled me and called me a quadriplegic, meaning I have all four limbs were affected for this. And the first time I heard that is when it sunk in, when I got that label that this may be worse than I think, you know, going on. And so I understand when you're talking about throwing this label around, how dramatic it can be uh, for you. Yeah. Well, this was my third time. And third time is a charm. <laughs> That's what they say. You know, when, when I was seven years old, I, I, I grew up with epilepsy. So I was diagnosed with epilepsy at five. So I had epilepsy as my disability for the first one. Mm -hmm. And then when I was uh, 21, I think, 20 or 21, I was diagnosed with lupus and told I had 10 years to live if I'm lucky. Oh, wow. And that became a disability. I was handed a disability placard to put on my car, and um, I said a great big screw you to the doctors and left after 10 years and took my health into my own hands. And a year later, there was no sign of uh, lupus in my body. Amen, sister. So, <laughs> um, you know, when I moved away from toxicity, changed my eating, um, changed my mindset, 
I think I, what I did was I put the, the lupus into remission. Mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And then the third time around was the accident. And it's like, I kept on running from this word disability and I couldn't run from the one with the accident, you know, it keeps, it keeps finding you. It kept finding me. It hit me hard. I, I had my arm, I had the PTSD, the traumatic brain injury. I was walking with a cane and it was, was like the universe just, just said, you have a disability and you have to understand what this means and you have to live through this and you have to learn a lot of lessons. And I heard the universe loud and clear. And um, I didn't do it gracefully, but I, I ended up, I ended up uh, owning, you know, the fact that I have a different body today than what I did prior to the accident. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd, um, I would think the term disabled, disability, and we're all different, you know, I I met one guy one time and he was a paraplegic. He had all his upper body strength and he seemed like after 30 days, Hey, I'm cool with this. Let's go have, let's go do it. Let's live life the best we can. I mean, he, but it took me not to say that I didn't try and do things in therapy, but I was in a, a depression for like five years and, but I hid it from everybody. I tried to stay positive when they were there, but then when the door is shut and I'm in bed by myself, and then thinking about what I had, what I lost and everything. So it took me like five years to finally say, let's go. So. Yeah. Mine was about five years too. So, yeah, yeah. it's, 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 it's a, um, yeah. When you can't run from it any further, it's time to, and, and part of my, one of my speeches is I talk about the ABCs and of overcoming adversity is a, a is the cru- most crucial one to me is that's when you can accept your adversity, you can start healing quicker. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yet, so going, going back to the yoga, I -hmm. refuse to accept. (laughs) I refuse, I refuse to accept that this was going to be my life. And I did yoga you know, many years before the accident. And so I reconnected one-on-one because I was agoraphobic and claustrophobic at the time. And so I reconnected one-on-one with a yoga instructor. And I said, I need, I need to do this. I need to figure out a way where I can heal myself. I healed myself with lupus. And I, I believed I can do the same with this. So I worked with a yoga instructor one-on-one for about six months and working with her one-on-one helped me have this strength and courage to go into a yoga room. And when I got into the yoga room, I felt an overwhelming sense of support, support and love and care that I hadn't felt in a very long time. And I started going to classes and I didn't stop. And on that mat, I was able to do pretty much the same exercises that I did in physical therapy, but now I was in charge. Mm -hmm. 
And that made a huge difference. And there was a huge mind shift for me. So I was pushing myself maybe even a little harder than what I would do in PT. And some days I would pull back, but I was in control of everything that was going on in my body. And that's what I was, I was going to say. Yeah. Once you feel like you're in control, things change. Yeah. When because, you, yeah. When we lose control of everything, that's when we, 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 we don't understand what's going on. We don't understand what's in the future for us. We're yeah. But once we get some control back, that is powerful. Yeah, yoga was all about regaining that control because the doctors were telling me what limits I was having. The accident was a complete and total loss of control. And now on that mat, not only did I have the ability to rebuild my strength and have have the, the ability to control what I wanted to do, the mat, because I had my own mat in my house and I had a mat in my car, the mat was a symbol of safety for me. So since since yoga in the class, in the in the studio was around love and support and nurturing, the mat became a symbol of safety. So I could lay down on the mat and cry and I could lay down on the mat and feel whatever I needed to feel in those PTSD moments. And I always went to my mat whenever I was feeling any kind of trigger. And I would just, I would just do whatever I wanted. I would lay down on it. I would do a yoga pose on it. But for me, when I rolled it out, sometimes I would just look at my mat and I would just in my mind, remember love, safety, caring, nurturing, and it was just that symbol that I needed to help de-stress all of what I was feeling inside me. Powerful. This is powerful. So I appreciate uh, you taking the time to do this. Man, this is powerful. I don't, I don't know what there's more to say about it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. that the, I, I love, love to hear when people say they finally take control. And even if they can't control of everything, like I can't control my legs, okay, but I still have control of pushing my wheelchair to get up out of bed, to get dressed, to go out and go do things. So it's, uh, yeah, as long as you got some control, I think we're in good shape. So uh, from there. Now, Shelly, if there's um, one or two pieces of advice to help people get on, to get over that little hump of something, what, what piece of advice could you give them? The biggest thing I would say is ask for help. Ask for help because there are so many people out there that want to help and they don't know unless you say something. And if you're the kind of person that would be there for anyone, let someone be there for you. People want to be there. And That's let huge them- and powerful, yeah. Yeah, let them show up in your life and help you. And it's not asking for help is not a weakness. People think of it as a weakness. Yes. It is actually a strength. Yes. Yes. And it took me a long time to ask for help. Yeah. And it's part of it just um that vein that we have, you know, selfish selfishness that um 
And then part of it is we don't know to, uh, to, uh, who to ask. But at the end of all of our fingertips, we got that old internet to go to. And you can find anything that you're looking for that could help you direct you to get help nowadays. Yeah. Well, part of it for me was shame. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt ashamed that this happened, ashamed that I didn't have someone in my life to help me. And there was this overwhelming sense of shame. And I would encourage people to release the feeling of shame because it serves no purpose other than to keep you hidden, to keep you small. And when you reach out and ask for help, it connects you and it shows people that you're there, that you're necessary and you're valid and you're important and you're, you're needed and you're wanted and get rid of the shame. Build that social um, support group as possible to help out. And, and like you, and like you said, there's, there's people out there, they want to help, but they don't know what to do if you don't ask. Yeah, and, and my other really important piece of advice is build your tribe before anything happens. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, make sure you have that really, really solid tribe for when something is going to happen. And as part of that tribe, be there for other people the way you want them to be there for you. Well, and and I, I also say that... Um, what do I say? I forgot there, Shelly, that um, people are watching you and they're yeah. going to see how you react and see how you get through things. And they're wondering if they could do the same thing to get through. And so whether you know it or not, people are watching to see how you respond to things, how you react to things, how you overcome things. And they want to learn that from you. And so as you getting stronger, more educated, more yoga experience, and you're teaching other people, and then they're going to be able to teach other people in the long run how to get over stuff to get better. Absolutely. And so you are a yoga instructor as well now? I, I am a certified yoga instructor, yes. There you go. It's awesome that you go back to what you felt was strong enough to help you and able to now again use that to help the next person. So... Yes, I am a certified yoga instructor and I am a certified life coach. And I also attained my bachelor's of social work as part of my healing journey. You're incredible. You're incredible. <laughs> Didn't let this experience hold you down. And yeah. I like what you said here. And this is hard. And I've said this before, too. It took me a long time to say it. OK, but when you said that you felt the the tragedy the near fatal car accident end up being a gift for you to find out you your worth your your learning your growing and it, to find out the true maybe not true you but you a, a better you and i've said that again it took me a long time to say it uh don't get me wrong i don't wish anybody to get paralyzed but i will say that i've done a lot more than i ever thought i would have when i first got hurt and i looked at people that I've helped in the long run. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Other than being paralyzed, I don't know if there's much I would turn around and not do uh, from this experience. So. I like to say 
that our life doesn't define us, it refines us. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. You're full of good quotes today, Shelly. <laughs> Thank I'm you. Glad, well, I'm glad we met here on this social media thing here. Well, so. they, will all, they will all be in my memoir that I am writing. All right, good. Go and tell us about that real quick. And then go ahead while you're there. Go ahead and start telling us your social media, how people get a hold of you. I, I am in the process of writing my memoir. And I just finished uh, writing a children's book. And that should probably be out, I would say, in six months or a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And people can find me on Instagram at Shelly.Grossman. I am I also hang out on Clubhouse. I'm very prominent on Clubhouse. I'm on LinkedIn. And what else is out there? Clubhouse, how, how do they find you on Clubhouse? Transform Your Life Today is my club. And, All right. Um, you know, I, they can just see me on there. They can just see my name and uh, send me a DM. There you go. I'll be sending you one because I'm on Clubhouse and you can go to it, Dr. James Purdue. And so uh, for anybody else who wants to hop in. And so we'll uh, we'll connect on Clubhouse as well uh, here in a little bit. So, all right, Shelly. So and, and the information with um, other social media, with the Instagram and you know, have a website yet. And My, and stuff. my, my website is twistedtreecoaching.com. And if they want to um you know, email me. It's Shelly, C-H-E-L-L-I-E at twistedtreecoaching.com. And I'll uh, put these links down in the show notes for make it easier for people to click on it uh, to help find you. Thank so, you. Shelly, appreciate you coming in. Now, one last thing here, and we're going to move on. But um, we know that people are hurting and struggling today. And if you could give us a powerful message to get through today, what would you say? To help, help them get through. You are important. You are necessary. You are loved. And even if you don't believe it right now, I I think that you are necessary. I want you here. And if you if you need a friend, I'm here for you. Reach out to me anytime because I am here and I will help you connect with the people that you need to connect with. Amen. Yes. We're all here for a reason. Uh, we don't uh, may not know the reason. We may not understand some of it. But part of it is to help each other to find out how much potential and what we can offer in life the best is our ability. And so that's part of it. And I appreciate you offering for people to reach out to you. And I'm definitely going to reach out on Clubhouse with you. And we'll go from there. So... Shelly, thank you for coming in. Well, this has been amazing. I've learned a little bit today, and that, that's why I do this podcast for two reasons. One is to help me learn more, for me to selfishly get inspired, motivated, and fired up from hearing other people's story. But also the other big thing is provide this platform for you and others so we can get it out there, your stories, your journeys, to help other people out there that um, maybe one day they'll come in and tell their story and they'll say, I heard Shelly's story and then I want to tell you mine. So hopefully. Well, James, I had a pleasure talking with you and I hope I made a new friend. Uh, yes, ma'am. You have. And uh, I'd like to keep in contact with my uh, guest and definitely when your books 
come out, reach out to me and we'll do a podcast on promote your book. We'll get we'll get it out there. So thank you. Yes, do that pretty sure. I, I won't know when you got it, but you reach out and tell me and we'll we'll push it on for you. Hey, for everybody else that's coming in, thank you for hopping in. Share this information out with someone you know that could use it. Again, they don't have to be going through PTSD from a fatal car accident. They don't have to be a spinal cord injury. The information of providing hope that life is still attainable, a better life than what people would think is the message. So be sure to share this out to someone else. Thank you for coming in. And we've been on the replay. It's even better. Hey, thank you for everybody. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.